Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, it's the Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James. This is your audio guide to the frenzy of festive football. Uh, and taking a break from his turkey sandwich today, I've got Dom Betts on the podcast. How are you doing, Dom? Yeah, not too bad. Good after yesterday's lovely 4-2 win over Cardiff. Well, yeah, it was a hugely successful Christmas period for Fulham, so Dom and I are going to discuss that in today's podcast. Just to say that Fulhamish is back to the season by Ladbrokes. Right now, you can bet £5, get £20. That means you put fiver in your account, and then you'll get £20 to bet with. You can get that deal by following the link at bets.fulhamish.co.uk. So, Dom, uh, an incredible win yesterday at the uh, Cardiff City Stadium. I mean, uh, who knew putting Cess at left wing would work so well? I mean, it's not like it hasn't worked before, but I mean, no, I, was, I, I wasn't. I was, I was surprised he was playing there. I was more happy he was playing there when I saw the team come out because we know, all know that's where he plays best. And if you, any, anyone who watched the highlights of the Sheffield United game, or anyone who was at the Sheffield United game, knew that that's definitely his best position. I was quite surprised actually that we were playing the sort of three sort of wingers up front, but it actually worked quite well last night because, well, not last night, let's say afternoon, because Cardiff didn't really know who to mark and when to mark because there was so much interchange between the three players that it, it just worked really, really well. But I did think, actually, Font did play really well when he came on. But yeah, Sessegnon, as usual, when he plays left wing, was phenomenal yesterday. Yeah, well, four goals at a team that hasn't lost at home all season. It's a hugely impressive result. And we criticised Fulham for starting very ponderously against Sunderland. But it wasn't the case yesterday. We got straight into them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how Johansson doesn't win a penalty after. I don't know how, how early into the game. I'm thinking, I imagine it was pretty early because it was before our first goal, which happened in I about think the 13th about, minute. I think it was about five minutes in, brought down by Bruno Manga. I mean, if we hadn't have gone on to win, we'd have been furious about that decision. Yeah, because when it happened, I was like, that's a stonewall penalty and I'm on the other side of the bloody ground. And I just can't see on what grounds it's not given. Yeah, and we were like, well, if it's not a penalty, then surely it's a dive. Like, it's either a, pen- it's either a penalty or yellow card to Stefan Johansson. There isn't, is, there isn't like a... No, it's, it's neither. It's a stonewall penalty. Then obviously, people who are watching the stream or Fulham FC TV were saying, yes, yeah, it's just a stonewall penalty. I don't know how it's given. But then, I don't know, maybe like five, ten minutes later, Tim Ream just... Wins a f- flick on from Ken McDonald and heads it in. And I was quite surprised that Tim Ream just had so much space at the back post to head that goal in, to be fair. Yeah, well, it, it was quite surprising he was that far advanced as well. He very nearly got his first goal of the season against Barnsley. It was actually a very good clearance from the Barnsley defender. So I guess he'd just been uh, desperate to get himself a goal. And he uh, put us 1-0 in front. And so often this season, we've started slowly and let teams get a foothold in the match. But finally, we took the game by the scruff of the neck and it just paid massive dividends. Yeah, I mean, we always looked in control of the game. I know we went, we got pulled back to 2-1 and 3-2, but we never looked like... Like we were going to give up the game. I know, like the last minute, last few minutes of the game would have would have felt at the time that it was like, oh, we're going to do this again. But I never felt that Cardiff were in the game really. Uh, they were very, very poor. I was saying throughout the entire game, and specifically the first half, like how is this team like second or third in the league, whatever it is, because they're just ridiculously poor. We were carving them open at pretty much every opportunity. We were getting through their back line just so so easily and yeah we deserved our 1-0 lead and obviously we kept that up to half time yeah I completely agree I think we um, <clears throat> I think we dominated proceedings and by and large we'd never looked in real danger of conceding too many goals you can't be too angry about Kenneth Zahor's 
goal, their opener uh, for Cardiff. An absolutely stunning strike from 35 yards. Just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I sort of I just saw it about the corner mile because I think I just like finished doing the Instagram story for like the t- for the two nil, and then I just put my phone down and in the corner mile. I just see Kenzori chest it and then wallop it into the top corner, and I was like, okay. I need to get my phone out again update the Instagram story but it was an absolute wonderful goal there wasn't really anything better than he could do about it it's just an absolute wonderful finish but if we talk about our second goal it's actually I was actually annoyed with Aite in the build up to that goal because he he kept like sort of faffing around with it and he could have played it actually a lot earlier which I thought would have been the better decision but clearly playing it in Cessnion who then cuts back totally loses his defender and then simply plays Naito he does make a brilliant run to get into like the six yard box to sort of just tap it in but yeah, yeah I mean the way Aite sort of just made that run and was so easily just evaded all defenders and was was just there was just quite sort of bad because you expect a good defence from a Neil Warnock side yeah, but I mean, brilliant play, as you say, from from Cessignon. Both the second and third goals really came about from uh, his good play. But the third one uh, from Cessignon, beautiful chest past the Cardiff defender, who really should do uh, an awful lot better. And 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 Cess just loves scoring against Cardiff, four and five. I know it's ridiculous. That he scored four career goals against one team at the age of seventeen and a <laughs> half, basically. But I think a lot of credit for Sessegnon's goal needs to go to Ruth Font as well. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think some people on Twitter were saying, "Oh, it's just sort of like a lump forward." It's, it's clearly not. He clearly knows Sess is going to make that central run, and I, I, know, I know Sess does well to beat the defender. Or I do think it's quite bad defending as well because I was like, "How is Sessegnon just taking the defender out of the game with a one simple touch of the chest?" It's not like he's done a complete 180 turn. It's sort of like... It, it, I just found it like, how has he got in there so easily? But then when he got thrown goal, I had no doubt he was going to miss that. Yeah, no, he's always um, so clinical and I think so calm for a 17-year-old in that situation when he is one-on-one with the keeper. He just he just so rarely makes a mistake. Yeah, I mean, especially when he's playing on the left wing. I never really feel... I, ne- I don't feel worried. I mean, he, when he's playing left back, I think there's a stat that he play, makes an average one, or gives the ball on average like one time a game or something like that. But he's improved a lot of left back actually since he started at the beginning of the season because when he started the Norwich game people were like oh maybe he won't actually continue here because he looks very very dodgy but he's improved but yeah when he's playing in in the front three I've no doubt that he's gonna perform really really well I don't really think he made many mistakes I mean he will obviously get the pull as a man in the match I mean he's I wouldn't say it's it's nailed on I mean with Fulham's man in the match it probably is nailed on because he scored and assisted the um, second goal but I mean, I think Kevin McDonald played wonderful again. I mean, obviously he got the assist for the first goal. I thought, and then I thought he was just brilliant in centre midfield. Uh, I think Kearney actually is the best I've seen him play in a while. I thought he was really, really good. There was a chance he did squander in the second half where he just didn't cut it onto his right foot, and he was just he was just, he was just trying to dummy it back onto his left to hit it across the goalkeeper. But then I thought he was a lot better than I've seen him play in recent weeks. With Johansson, yes, he scored, but I still thought he had a poor game. He did give the ball away multiple times. But overall, I think it was a great team performance and the best performance we've definitely had since Sheffield United. Well, I wanted to come on to Steffi Hansen because I I agree in the sense that I didn't think he was that impressive individually. But that balance of the three in midfield for me means that I think his inclusion has to continue because I just think that midfield three, and I don't know what it is, but it just seems to have some sort of magic balance between them. They all complement each other's style and playing ability so well. And I think that 
as much as I rate Norwood, and I think maybe his individual performances have been better than Steff Johansson, that he just, there's something about the team dynamic with those three in the middle. The whole team seems to play better. And I would argue that Steph should stay in purely for what he brings to the team as a whole. Yeah, I mean, he is slowly, slowly getting better, and I wouldn't, I don't think he deserves to be dropped at the moment. Like, but he hasn't, he has, he needs to actually up his performances. Not, I know he scored a goal and he basically scored the winner, which is absolutely brilliant, but he can't be giving away the ball as much as he did, the amount of sloppy passes that he played during the game. And I mean, I, I think as, as long as he just keeps playing, so that will breed confidence within him. And uh, also, if you're playing Norwood, I, I wouldn't expect Norwood to be in the position that Johansson was when Fredericks plays the ball forward. No, exactly. And that's... And, and Norwood, I wouldn't expect Norwood to be the one going through and then chip the goalkeeper. Although I was expecting Stephanie Johansson to somehow mess it up. I thought he was going to chip it over the bar when he hit it. But because it didn't, it wasn't like a dip. It didn't really dip that much. No. He sort of just chipped it and it sort of just stayed there. And went into the top of the goal, but yeah, it was it was a brilliant finish, and it was just more relief than anything when he put that in the back of it. So it was a finish that was a mark of someone playing with far more confidence than Stefan Johansson. What if I was Steph Johansson? I haven't uh, scored in a few months. I haven't been playing anywhere near my best. I'd have drilled with that. There's no way I'd have been going for the dink over the goalkeeper in that situation. But fair play, he took it on, went for it, and as you say, it didn't dip very much but he just about managed to get it under the bar and as I say pure relief because I did have a horrible feeling that Cardiff were just going to get that third goal and somehow salvage a draw out of what would have been well it would have been totally I think undeserved had Cardiff managed to get a point out of that oh yeah they didn't deserve anything out of the game Uh, they were very very poor Um, Neil Warnock didn't really mention anything about the game actually in his post-match interview on Football on 5 last night he just said oh we've done really well to get here and I'm excited to see what the second half of the season played he clearly was very disappointed with his side I'd, I'd, I'd think because you know they were unbeaten at home you know until until this game in this season and I think they, they've hardly conceded any goals as well and it was just I think it was just a shock to the system I know they've got a very bad record around the festive period and they obviously lost their last game but yeah, they would be very, very disappointed with the way they played yesterday. They were just carved open so easily and then didn't offer as much as you'd expect from a team second in the league on the attack. Well, they always say that the the Christmas period is this really important time uh, if you do want to kick on and make something of the season. Now, we know how poor uh, Fulham have been compared to what they can play uh, up until now. And, and I think it was quite telling when you looked at the uh, half-term report that we did on the uh, Fulhamish website um, and what the fans voted. And pretty much it was uh, between a grade C and a D uh, of how Fulham have played this season. But we've got two wins out of two now, Dom. Um, Hull on Saturday is going to be a difficult one. But then we've got Ipswich at home, which I think is a very, very winnable game. Uh, can we kick on from these two performances? I feel like a bit, I'm, set, I'm repeating myself after what we said after the Sheffield United game and we thought can we kick on for this and it didn't quite work out but we're still six points short but if we can play like we have did against Cardiff for let's say half of the remaining games we should be there or thereabouts at least in the hunt well yeah I mean you people say we're only six points off which is good but you look at the teams that are near there like Ipswich that that means we should be a lot higher than we are because we know we're definitely better than Ipswich the way we totally outplayed them at the end of August shows that how are they still ahead of us I mean like it, it, it's, it's crazy I mean yeah if we, if we get at least four points or minimum I'd say four points over the next two games I'd say yes we can make this promotion push but surely 
this promotion push and making the top six should really be the minimum sort of ex- expectation or requirement from our team this season for me. Well, clearly, I think that when a lot of the pundits in uh, and you listen to Not The Top 20 and you listen to the championship show and they pretty much all say uh, without hesitation that Fulham are the biggest underachievers this season in the league. So I don't think we're we're doing anything that is completely unexpected, but it just might be finally Fulham are starting to get anywhere near to their potential. Yeah, I think we're finally getting back to our sort of not brilliant best, I'd say, but we're getting we're getting to a stage where we can actually start winning games consistently. And but it's just and it just it's annoying that it take for both for both years under Slavis Djukanovic in his full in his sort of full scenes at the club. It's taken six months for this to sort of happen. I don't understand why it can't happen from the get go, and that will obviously annoy a lot of Fulham fans. But yeah, at least we're starting to win games. I think it's five wins from seven, I believe, and so it's showing some decent form. And as as long as we can keep this sort of form up, some maybe even better, then there's no chance we can't end up in the top six coming into the season. Um, let's look forward to uh, Hull uh, quickly, just before we we end today's podcast. Just a little quick one today for, from Dom and I. I, I know that. Uh, Quite a few people had been asking for a podcast over Christmas, so we've uh, managed to uh, scramble this one together. Um, it's obviously been a difficult season back down in the second tier for Hull, which was a surprise to me considering how strong Hull were in the second half of last season. But um, there's obviously been uh, plenty of difficulties and uh, Nigel Adkins uh, has been appointed up there, but they haven't really had a huge turnaround in form since he joined the club. Um, they picked up a, a decent win against Brentford a few weeks ago, but they lost away to Cardiff, uh, lost away to Leeds and then um, drew nil-nil with Derby uh, on Boxing Day. It's definitely a game we can win, but it's Hull away, so we probably won't. Yeah, I mean, I, lo- I lost, I've only been there twice and I think, yeah, we lost 6-0 and then 2-1, I believe. And lo- I think the 6-0 was literally the same match day, well, not same, similar, similar match day in the Premier League, like what, in 13-14. And I mean, that was nil-nil at half-time. And then, we, yeah. and then we just came out and just, I don't know what was said at half time, but it was an absolute farce, whatever happened. But no, I'm confident going into this game because obviously we know we're better away from home and we're away from home. So that gives me more confidence that Sess might play further forward because I can't see um, Slav playing Sess further forward at home. But right, definitely, okay. definitely away from home, I can see him doing it because it's a lot more effective. I because we're playing a team like Hull, I don't think the three interchangeable players is the best option. I would play Rui Font and then with Sess and Ojo out wide, maybe, or even Piers or Cabana might get a game. You never know. I don't. I think. I think it's. I know it's only like a three-day gap, but that's like a usual Saturday-Tuesday gap. So there's no reason why most of the team can't play and a lot of footballers who I was into talk sport on the car journey back yesterday and loads of I mean and even before that loads of footballers were saying like players don't want to be dropped around this Christmas period they're not tired they just want to be keep keep playing games and I I mean you don't want to wear like players like Cess out but I don't think there's no reason why he shouldn't be playing and I think this is a game we should be looking to win because like whole yeah they are a difficult side but they're not a great side they've been doing pretty poor since they've come down and there's no reason why as like we did with Cardiff we go as we said on many many times on this podcast if we go out and attack teams from the front they don't know what 
more to do with us. And if we continue to do that, then we will start picking up more and more points instead of just playing a passive game of football from the start. I think we obviously do this better away from home. We don't really tend to do this at home. But I mean, if we just go out and attack them from the first whistle like we did with Cardiff, I don't see there's any reason why we can't pick up a similar result. No, I think we've got to kick on now. I don't think there's any point trying to settle for a draw at this stage in the season. I think we're so far behind that we have to go. Um, we have to. It's, it's got to be win or bust for me. I, I don't think a point really is helping us at all. I think if we get a point, we're just more likely to fall two points behind of that playoff pack we have to really put together a win of runs if we're to even get back into the hunt for the playoffs I would pick pretty much the the same starting lineup I think that when we saw Hull at home it was clear to see how slow their defense is and that they really struggled to deal with all our pace in fact I know that Slavisa very rarely picks the same starting 11 but that is exactly the starting 11 that I would like to see uh, against Hull on Tuesday night and as you say when it comes to the resting of the players the way that Christmas has fallen this year all the games is just Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday I don't think there's any excuse for players being fatigued that's just their normal routine really if they've got a couple of midweek games in a row I know that and and I would rather that we rested some players against Southampton in the FA Cup if, if they're really burnt out after the Christmas period so I think stick with the same starting 11 I think that the pacey front line that we've got there with Ayite Ojo who by the way played brilliantly I thought uh, not just in the Boxing Day game but also against Barnsley he was um for me, he was the man of the match. And then and then Sessignon on the left wing, tearing them up up there. I just think that's the way to go forward and take advantage of what is a very, very slow Hull team. And barring the odd win here or there, they might have a little bit of a new manager bounce with Nigel Adkins. But to me, they still seem the same old Hull. Um, I think we can definitely go up there and get a win. And hopefully we do. Yeah, I can't see any reason not to. I know our record there is absolutely dreadful, but there's no reason that we can't break that sort of hoodoo or duck and yeah I mean I'm, I'm confident going into the game it sh- and it should be a good game of football I expect them them to come out and attack us because they're going to want they're going to want the three points I mean I looked to their highlights last night from the Derby game it's not like they sat back and Derby should have won the game Hardy actually had quite a lot of chances during that game so I'm expecting a very highly contested game and hopefully we come out of three points Right, well, Dom, thank you for um, doing this uh, quick little Christmas roundup today with me on the podcast. No worries. Um, We will be back for a full podcast uh, the day after the Ipswich game. So that will be a Wednesday. I believe that's the third. I'm losing track of what day it is at the moment. That's what happens over Christmas. So um, thank you for listening today. Uh, We'll be back with a full roundup of all of the Christmas fixtures uh, next week. But um, Dom, uh, not too many turkey leftovers, please, for the next few days. Nah, no worries. I'll be nice and fit for the uh, third fighting fit for the new year. All right, we'll see you in the new year. Have a good one and we'll see you later. Layers. Layers.